Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and the contributor I've got with me today is Jim Hammett. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, the craziness of last week is over. Uh, we're getting down to Final Four weekend coming up, so college basketball is just about ready to wrap up, and we have opening day this week. Opening day is, I believe, just five or six days away, so it's an exciting time in sports, but we're here to talk Kevin Stallings, new head basketball coach at the University of Pittsburgh. This is a guy who... He's coached at Vanderbilt for 17 years, since 1999, and when he was hired, it led to a complete meltdown. We'll just run through really quick what the entire situation was. Kevin Stallings' name was leaked on Saturday night. Some, the second it was leaked, everyone started freaking out on Twitter. People were emailing Scott Barnes, calling Scott Barnes. Everyone was melting down, and... That continued all the way through Sunday on Easter Sunday, and about halfway through Sunday, it was announced, or first it was released that Kevin Stallings would be the head basketball coach at Pitt, then it was official, they released the, the, the statement that he was hired as the head basketball coach, there was outrage for hours, everyone was just melting down, Pitt Twitter was on fire, it was a complete nightmare. Then about a day passed. People started to calm down a bit, willing to give it a chance after saying they were going to cancel their season tickets, they were going to stop following basketball, things like I know you were talking about you're going to look into a different basketball program to root for, maybe USC for the season. And then the press conference on, on, uh, on Monday, and everyone gave it a listen, and it seemed like everyone just calmed down a bit. The interesting thing is, and we'll talk all about this, it didn't even seem like Stallings had a great press conference. It wasn't a guy who came out and was enthusiastic and really energized everybody. It was not a great press conference. And yet, he successfully calmed down pretty much the entire fan base. Not to the point where they loved him, but to the point where everything settled down and things are back to normal. People aren't calling that they're going to release their season tickets. People aren't saying that Scott Barnes, the athletic director, should be fired, that Stallings shouldn't be allowed. All of that just subsided, and things have sort of come back to normal. So now that everything is seemingly normal, as normal as it can be, what do you think of the hire, of how it was dealt with by Scott Barnes, of the coach himself, Kevin Stallings? What do you think of the entire situation? It, it was a very unique situation, like you said, that Saturday night to early Sunday morning. It was just kind of, it was just so weird. And, you know, I, w I was out meeting some friends. It was the night before Easter. A lot of my friends were in town. So then, I you know, I start getting texts and tweets. It's like, hey, like, it might be Kevin Stallings. And, like, of course, my reaction, like a lot of people's reaction was like, what? How? How could this be? Um, you know, it, it was just so weird. But, you know, once the dust settled, like you said, um, you know, I pretty much Sunday night, I kind of like, you know, after a few hours of fuming around, I kind of got got over the fact and just said, you know, it is what it is. He is the coach. I like Pitt. I like basketball. So I kind of have to get on board. I don't really have a choice. So <clears throat> well, you could follow USC. Yeah, I guess I could do that, you know, which would never happen. But um, it, 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 you know, it was 
it was just kind of a weird situation. But the more I read about Stallings, the more I kind of liked about him. And, you know, I know some people are saying, like, oh, he uses the Vanderbilt, you know, acceptance rate as a crutch and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. Doesn't achieve talent. I kind of buy into it. And the more you read about what people say about the guy, he gets glowing reports from a lot of people. And even, like, anonymous coaching, uh, you know, polls and things like that he he he, he grades well and he, he's well respected throughout the coaching community so you know I'm kind of optimistic that to, to see what he can do in a you know a more normal college athletic setting than Vanderbilt but you know getting back to the hire itself it just seemed weird um the whole the the search firm that everything that how that went down and and you know I, I don't think anyone will ever know um, what really happened and how this really went down. I will say that I'll give Scott Barnes the benefit of the doubt saying, why would he really risk his own job and his own livelihood on making a behind the door deal kind of thing with a couple of friends? That's, that's, that's the one thing in this whole theory that just kind of, that kind of breaks it up for me. It's like, why would Scott Barnes do this? What does he have to gain by gain, you know, doing this? So, Again, it was a weird hire, but I think Kevin Stallings, the coach, is fine. So, it, it, you know, it's kind of wait and see. It's only it's very fresh in all of our minds. So here's where I come down on it. First of all, in terms of Scott Barnes, when people were wondering, is it that he did something that we all hated on purpose? Is it that he was fooled and hoodwinked by this search firm that had somewhat of a conflict of interest because Todd Turner, who led the search firm, had originally hired Kevin Stallings at Vanderbilt when he was AD there in 99? Or was this corrupt? So was he dumb? Was he hoodwinked? Or was he corrupt? Again, we'll never really know the answer. I don't think he was hoodwinked because Scott Barnes, if there's anything we learned from that press conference, he does not take crap. He He's not the kind of guy who would be tricked into thinking a guy is a good hire when he doesn't think so. And search firms don't really strong arm you anyway. So I certainly don't think that's the case. It could have been... Now, I don't think it was an absurd level of corruption if that was the case, that he completely did this with... Was there a, a chance that, you know, the, the Todd Turner who led the search firm gave the, a bit of an advantage to Kevin Stallings and had really glowing things to say about him and tried to angle it in favor of him. That's very possible. And Scott Barnes was uniquely situated to listen to what Todd Turner had to say because it's his former boss. That's also very possible. I don't think that it was this, well, if you hire him, then I'll make sure that even if you get fired, I'll still get you a job. I think that's going a little too far. But I think it is very possible that Todd Turner, the head of the search firm, did have a conflict of interest and probably used it to his advantage to get Stallings on the radar and make him one of the top candidates. I do think that Scott Barnes had maybe a little too close of a connection to Todd Turner, who led this search firm. That said, just as you said, Jim, we'll never know. We will never know exactly what happened and what went down. That's just how coaching searches go. And I think for a lot of people, they wanted to, they couldn't believe that Scott Barnes would make this hire when it first came out because it was just so odd. It was so out of left field. They wanted to believe that he wasn't dumb, that instead he was corrupt. And I think that's sort of where it stemmed from. People didn't want to believe that Scott Barnes, who everyone up until then had had so much faith in, that he could do something this 
sort of absurd, so they'd rather believe that he was corrupt. I don't know which one it is. Either way, there was one thing that you just mentioned that stuck out with me, which is Kevin Stallings as a coach is fine. And I think that's the sentiment of pretty much everybody involved with this situation. It's fine. And I think there's definitely a separation between the coach and the hire. A coach can be a good coach. I never thought that Kevin Stallings, the second that his name was leaked, I never thought he was a bad coach. I never thought that he wouldn't do a fine job at Pitt. Because when you look at his record at Vanderbilt, there's nothing that tells us that he he would do a bad job. He hasn't done a bad job at Vanderbilt. You don't stay at a school for 17 years for doing a bad job. So he's not a bad coach. In fact, he's a good coach. But I think it's a bad hire. And the reason I think it's a bad hire is because this was the chance to completely change the dynamic and the expectations of Pitt basketball. Up until now, under the leadership of Jamie Dixon, it was a situation where you were going to achieve success, but just not be able to get over the hump. You couldn't make the Final Four under Jamie Dixon. You couldn't win an ACC title under Jamie Dixon. And so with this next hire, everyone wanted Scott Barnes to pick someone who had the potential to make a Final Four, who had the potential to win an ACC in the most difficult conference in college basketball. And that was someone like Andy Enfield or Bryce Drew, the head coach at USC, the head coach at Valpo, who have a lot of potential, a very high ceiling, and possibly could have done that. And instead, Scott Barnes made a hire of someone who, again, not a bad coach, but we know his ceiling. We know that Pitt is not going to, at least I feel safe saying this, Pitt is not going to win an ACC championship under Kevin Stallings. I think that's, I'm very comfortable saying that. This is a guy who, he was a good coach in the SEC, but he could never get over the hump. And he had a very similar situation to what Jamie Dixon had at Pitt, which was, yeah, he's successful, but you stay somewhere too long, things start to stagnate, the fans start to pull their hair out, and you just need to make a clean break. That's what happened with Dixon at Pitt, and that's what seems to have happened with Kevin Stallings at Vanderbilt. It looked like everyone was completely fine with him leaving Vanderbilt. The buyout was negotiated out of it, so Pitt didn't have to pay Vanderbilt. But it just seemed like everyone was sort of done with him there. He wasn't able to win the SEC. He wasn't able to make a deep run. He hadn't made the Sweet Six- hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 2007 with Vanderbilt. So this is a guy who we know what to expect. And I think of all the things, that's the most frustrating part of it. More frustrating the fact that it was a six-year deal. More frustrating than the fact that originally there were some discussions that Pitt had negotiated a buyout and paid Vanderbilt to take Stallings away. More than that, I think it's the fact that there's very little hope in this hire because we know what he can do and we know what he can't. We know, for the most part, this guy isn't going to be an incredible coach where he can get to a Final Four, where he can win an ACC. And the fact that Scott Barnes threw that away with this hire, threw away the hope of actually getting to this next level because he basically hired a somewhat lesser Jamie Dixon, the fact that he threw away that hope, that is what is, I think, the most frustrating part of this hire for me and for a lot of people. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely the sentiment that I felt um, early on, like right right when it happened, that it, it just, 
it just didn't feel right. And you kind of wanted a young up and coming coach or maybe a different, you know, just a different direction. But, you know, um, those are strong words to say he can't succeed here. He can't do any of these things there because, you know, I, I look at Dana Altman at Oregon. And it, it just feels very similar, where he kind of stagnated at Creighton, which is a solid mid-major program, uh, you know, missed a tournament three straight years, then, you know, kind of struggled to get his bearings at Oregon, then all of a sudden he was a one seed this year. He's 57 years old. I mean, he was at Creighton from 94 to 2010, and, you know, who could have predicted that, oh, he goes to Oregon, and all of a sudden they're a national power. Sometimes, you know, taking a step back, uh, going to a different place, getting a different feel and you just, you know, things match up differently for different people in different places. And I, I'm not, I'm not predicting Stallings is going to be a great coach, but I can't say he's going to be a bad one either. I can't say that, you know, he can't win. He can't go 14 and four in the ACC one season. I, I, how can I say that? I don't know. Um, it, like he, you know, what he said, you know, he, in a, in a pool of 100 Division One basketball players, he could probably only go after about 25 of them at Vanderbilt. Pitt could probably go off after about 80, 80 of them, you know, because there's just different requirements. So I'd like to see what he can do uh, with a bigger recruiting pool. He just brought in four four-stars at Vanderbilt that were freshmen this season. So the guy can recruit. Uh, that's kind of been his calling card. A lot of people say he's just relentless at recruiting. And, um, you know, people, people are going to want to play for him. I think, you know, some... Some of the offensive tempo stats uh, don't suggest that he plays much faster than Pitt, but he will. I, I don't think you're going to see the very structured offense that Jamie Dixon ran. You're not going to see it, you know, dribble around for 25 seconds. So I think he's going to do some things differently. Uh, he's going to adapt, and uh, you have to give him a chance. He's he, like I said, he's very well regarded. You know, I looked at a website this year, and it's pulled anonymously between media members and fellow coaches and they ranked the 25 best coaches going into this season Jamie Dixon was ranked 25th Kevin Stallings was ranked 21st so you know in a sense is it an upgrade who knows but uh you know judging by his peers uh some people think Stallings is a little bit better than Jamie Dixon and that's fair I believe it was at the press conference Pitt sent out a press release with quotes from other college coaches or somehow related coaches with glowing praise for Kevin Stallings, from Billy Donovan, who coached at Florida in the SEC, and from Roy Williams and a few other big-name coaches. That's something you don't normally see. It was very clear that this was someone they knew they had to sell, and they were going to do it as, as best they can by getting praise from other coaches. But it's not just other coaches. This is someone who's been able to, again, turn around, and we'll talk about the press conference itself more in detail, but someone who was able to turn around fan sentiment in 24 hours. I did an informal Twitter poll on Sunday, Sunday evening, so not in the thick of things, not in the eye of the hurricane, but when things had started to settle down, who would you have rather Pitt hired? Kevin Stallings or Brandon Knight, former Pitt basketball star, now assistant coach for the head coaching position? 66, or excuse me, 78% said Brandon Knight. They would have rather Brandon Knight been hired as the head coach. 22% said Kevin Stallings. The day later, after the press conference, I asked the exact same question. Who would you have rather them hired? 66% said Kevin Stallings. Only 34% said Brandon Knight. So things really did change in the course of 24 hours. My whole thing when you talk about the situation is that I think you and I can both admit, I, I think it's very fair to say that he's not going to win an ACC. Now, 
I don't know that Andy Enfield was going to win an ACC. I don't know that Bryce Drew was going to win an ACC championship. I don't know if those guys could have done it. But I know that there was a chance, and I know that there was hope that they could have done it. And with Kevin Stallings, you just don't have that hope. I mean, the best that everyone's sort of gotten around to is still a, well, let's wait and see, you know, this this could be decent. But that's not what you want from a hire. Again, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, because I disagree with that. What I'm saying is he's a bad hire when even the most optimistic fans can't even say, yeah, this was a good good hire, good move, Scott Barnes. Because, frankly, first of all, Scott Barnes gave him a six-year contract. Someone who had, by the way, no leverage. A guy who basically was not going to come back to Vanderbilt. All reports said that he was not going to be back at Vanderbilt next season. It was just about what was he going to do. They didn't want to fire him. They wanted him to get another job. The other job that he was looking at was St. Louis. Not exactly on the same level as Pitt. So this guy didn't really have leverage. And Scott Barnes gave him a six-year deal, something that you can't even say, well, it'll take him time to get used to things. This is an experienced coach. He, he's not going to need a whole lot of time to really figure out the game and get things rolling. So I, I really don't see any way that you can defend a six-year deal. Give him a three-year deal, maybe four. Six, it just makes it harder to buy him out if it's not what you want. Again, it then goes back to any sort of collusion involved with the search firm and any connection that Scott Barnes had. So the whole thing just seemed a little fishy. But on top of that, it's the fact that you threw away the optimism and the hope that Pitt could get to this next level that they weren't able to get under Jamie Dixon. Because by all accounts, this is the exact same situation that Pitt had with Dixon, but to a lesser extent, because Dixon at least had in the past one conference title. Stallings hasn't been able to do that. Stallings hasn't been as good, even in recent years, in the conference in the in the last, say, six or seven years. So it's I think in that way, that's what the worst part of it is, is the fact that you threw away any sort of optimism, any sort of hope that Pitt was going to get to that next level, which everyone was thinking. That was the whole reason you let Jamie Dixon go. I mean, obviously he left, but Pitt didn't beg him to stay. That's just, we know that. And the reason they didn't beg him to stay is because it was clear what was happening was not acceptable for what they wanted Pitt basketball to be. And I just don't foresee Kevin Stallings doing any better than Jamie Dixon the last five, six years. Again, that's fine. I think he'll be a good coach. But the fact that you basically are throwing in the towel, throwing away optimism of doing better than Jamie Dixon, that's what's incredibly frustrating to me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I get all all those sentiments, but um, uh, you know, you know, some of the other guys in the running for this, I wouldn't have thought like Andy Enfield was going to win an ACC championship. I really wouldn't have thought Bryce Drew would either. I mean, none of those guys screamed to me like, "Wow, like this is really going to change Pitt basketball around." Those were guys that you would hope eventually would. So again, right? It's, but there's hope. Uh, yeah, but I'm thinking like five, six, seven years down the line. I mean, like I don't think they were going to come in and you know, overtake Duke or Carolina anytime soon. So, you know, you look at it this way, and, and Paul Zeiss brought up this point, you kind of look at it as a safe hire because, um, you know, in some lights, you look at this team and you think they're not terribly far away. They have a decent shot to be pretty good next year. Uh, they had an okay recruiting class coming in, which it looks like Stallings is probably going to be able to retain. So um, maybe they weren't 
looking to revamp the program entirely. They were just looking at maybe someone trying something new, um, you know, kind of you're on the right path, but you just need someone else to maybe push you to it. So that's kind of maybe Barnes's line of thinking. But I can't say if Enfield would have came here or Drew or Lonergan, I mean, who are the other three, you know, finalists from what it sounds like. I can't really say like that would have the only coach that really would have done anything like that would have been Sean Miller. And he said no right off the bat. You know, right whenever that happened, it, it was pretty clear that Pitt wasn't going to hire a big-time coach. Um, they were going to have to hire a mid-major that you'd be taking a gamble on. Um, so, you know, some of these guys would have been gambles. Uh, Brandon Knight would have been a huge gamble. If you think of it this way, if Brandon Knight was an assistant coach at Vanderbilt and Pitt was going to hire, it, it's the same thing. The only thing, the only difference is he worked at Pitt and he played at Pitt, so... You know, people thought that was just great, but he doesn't really have the the entire resume to really, you know, hold this job. But, you know, some people just, he's Brandon Knight, we should give him a look. That's That was basically it. I mean, the, for no other reason than just his name being Brandon Knight is why he was a candidate. His resume wouldn't have matched up at all. Right, um, that, I mean, that's fair. It, it, you know, it, it happens, it comes with the territory, every... Every fan base, you know, looks at one of their great players and say, he'll be the guy that'll take us back. He'll be, you know, like whenever Dave Wanstead came here, oh, this is going to be great. It's Dave Wanstead. He's a yinzer. I mean, he's he is Pittsburgh through and through. He's going to take Pitt football back to the 76 championship. I mean, so, you know, you know, you look at Brandon Knight, you said, oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, Pitt, you know, he was the best player. His name's up in the rafters. I mean, it, it, it was cool, but his resume didn't match up. So, you know, I think Stallings is well regarded by a lot of people. I think, you know, he's a good offensive coach. He's, you know, a lot of people say he's a good offensive coach. Uh, so, you know, I can't say that he's going to be a failure. I can't say he's going to be bad. I can't even say he's going to be worse than Jamie Dixon. He could very well be better. Um, if, if you know, judged on by his peers in that, in that voting system, some people already thought he was better than Jamie Dixon. So, I mean, you have to, I think we have to give him a chance. And I, it's an underwhelming hire, and you kind of feel – annoyed by it but there's a there's definitely a chance where he could maybe do something here um we just have to let it play out so far so good i think you know in a couple of days i think you know he's offered a couple of recruits uh he kept cory manigold on which we just found out a little bit ago sounds like justice kithcart might stay uh he offered brandon knight a job whether he takes it or not that's at least a popular move by the fans to you know kind of keep them happy so he's doing all the right things he's saying all the right things um, so it, it's hard to go against him. It's easier to go against Scott Barnes right now. Exactly. And one really quick thing before we move on to Scott Barnes is I just, I think when you look at the other candidates, Andy Enfield from USC, Bryce Drew from Valpo. And then again, there are these other candidates who there's a chance that they could have been approached and Pitt didn't follow through or they said no or, or Pitt didn't wasn't prepared to pay the money they were after. But you talk about a, a Fran McCaffrey at Iowa, Ed Cooley at Providence, somewhere throwing out the name Matt Painter at Purdue. We'll never know if these coaches were approached, how far they got with these coaches, why it didn't work out. That said, I think it's frustrating that nothing that they weren't even close to being able to work it out with with one of them. I do think, I mean, it's pretty obvious from all considered, Andy Enfield was interviewed. Uh, everyone is saying, all reports saying that he did want to come to Pitt. 
And the reason that it broke down was because of financial negotiations. Now, we'll get into that a little bit more specifically in just a moment. But I, I still think that a hire like Andy Enfield, who you could have gotten, a hire even like Bryce Drew, who is from a mid-major, whereas Enfield's from a power five, but a really popular mid-major that's in the NIT championship, I think it's something that you could have, number one, sold, and even though winning, everyone says winning is everything, it's not everything if you're an athletic director. You can win and people still not like you. You can lose, or at least be decent, and people still want you in that position. Because winning's a big part of it, but raising money, having fan support, those are also big parts of it. And when everyone was... Re- and I'm not suggesting that Scott Barnes lets the fans run his program. Because then the program would fall into shambles. But you still have to at least consider what the general, the overall fan sentiment is and not only did he not consider it he witnessed it he considered it and then he just completely threw it out and did what he wanted to do and I think that is something that was very frustrating because it's not like he didn't know what the reaction was going to be it's not like he thought oh this is a great hire everyone's going to love this and then he makes the hire no it was leaked out there there was incredibly negative response on his Twitter, in his email, in his phones. Everyone made their voices heard, and he did it anyway. So with all that being said, the way that he went through this entire process just sort of defiantly going against what the fans wanted when it came to Kevin Stallings originally, he gave him a six-year deal. The press conference, he rebuffed reporters and just sort of swatted them away and just seemed very defensive and crabby the way that Scott Barnes has handled everything do you still trust him as the athletic director of Pitt uh yes and no because I have to give uh Stallings a chance because if he if he turns out to be a pretty decent coach then you know who am I to say this was a horrible hire so uh he's going to be judged with Stallings because uh he didn't hire Narduzzi um, so he's not going to get credit for that. Uh, a lot of people are always quick to point that out. You know, whenever they, when the love affair of Scott Barnes, uh, for the first six or seven months of his job up until the other day, uh, everyone's like, Oh, Hey, you know, yeah, the football program's doing good. He's doing a good job. Then, you know, now people are like, Oh, he didn't hire Narduzzi. You know, people know that now. <laughs> people are very well aware of that now. So it's funny. So he's going to be, you know, he put, he pretty much stuck his career, um, on the line with Kevin Stallings for the most part, uh, you know, maybe if some other things happen and he does well. So he, he really went out on a limb for Kevin Stallings. So, um, if he's as smart as we all used to think he was, uh, as of last week, um, you know, maybe there is something more to this hire than that, than meets the eye. Maybe Stallings is a good coach. Maybe he needed to change his scenery and maybe Pitt will be a good team next year and going forward. So, um, do I trust him? Uh, somewhat, uh, you know, I, I think he I think most of his moves going forward now are going to be judged very carefully. They're going to be in the spotlight. Uh, there's going to be critics of everything he does. I'm not going to criticize every, you know, if he puts his left shoe on first instead of his right. I'm not going to be there, you know, telling him he shouldn't do it that way. So but the, the right shoe is definitely proven to be the shoe that you need to put on first. Am I right? I, yeah. I don't know about that See? one. See, Th- these are these are the hot issues that we discuss here on Unscripted. 
which this shoe is, you put on first. Yeah, you you cannot get this kind of talk anywhere else. Uh, talking pit sports. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna be in the limelight a lot more. People are gonna be watching a lot more. So do I trust him? I kind of trust him because he he was doing so well up until the other day, and if Stalling turns out to be fine, then I think everyone will be happy with Barnes again. I do think that he has a chance to redeem himself for the most part. If Stallings is a good coach and in just a moment, we'll talk about what exactly that means, what he needs to do. That said, I think pretty much all of the goodwill that Scott Barnes had built up since he took this job about a year ago, I believe it's around 10 months. All of that goodwill that he built up was shattered in about 24 hours, which is pretty incredible, by the way. The way that he handled things, again, just completely ignoring everything that the entire fan base wanted. I'm not just talking about a vocal minority. I don't think you could find a single person, not just in the fan base, but even in the media, who would have said, this is a good hire. Even after all these things. You can still like Kevin Stallings and think that he could be a good coach, but I still can't find a single person that said, this is a good hire. Scott Barnes, good job. I don't think any single person has said that. And that's a problem. Again, it goes back to the fact that even if Kevin Stallings is a good coach, this is an underwhelming, uninspiring hire that Barnes shouldn't have needed to make. He should have been able to go out and get someone more attractive like an Andy Enfield. He shouldn't have lowered the expectations of the program, which is pretty much what's happened now. So because he just took all the optimism out of the room and all all the hope for a better future... I think he just completely destroyed all the faith, all the goodwill that he had with the fans. And on top of all that, then there are the questions of ethics and the search firm and the connection that everyone had to each other. And then there's this level of trust and transparency, which was brought up at the press conference where he refused to go into a lot of things. And I know an athletic director is never going to tell you everything, but just the way that he handled things, he seemed annoyed to have to be there. He seemed that he just didn't want to answer anything at all. And again, when you're an athletic director, you don't just have to put out coaches who are going to win. You also have to be liked. We saw that with Steve Peterson, the former athletic director. His teams weren't awful. You have to be liked, and or at least not disliked. And the way that Scott Barnes handled everything, just it turned a lot of people off. And the way that he did this entire thing... Given, giving Stallings a six-year deal, doing this despite everyone saying this is not a bad hire. Again, it just, a lot of the mystique of Scott Barnes went completely out the window when he hired a guy who, not a sing, again, not a single person that I've heard of can say definitively, I believe this is a good hire. The be- Most of us have come around to saying, this is okay, and the coach is probably good. And this this is going to be fine. But that that shouldn't be the bar. That shouldn't be what you aspire to. That you shouldn't have you shouldn't hire a coach and say, well, I hope the fans don't jump off all the bridges. And most people eventually come around and think, okay, this is a fine hire. You wanted to make a good hire. And it's very clear he didn't do that. And because of that, he lost a whole lot of credibility with the pit fan base and with the pit media. Yeah, and I, I think more so than the hire itself was um, the press conference. I thought the press conference was a bad look for him. 
Uh, he just looked grumpy, looked like he didn't want to be there. I didn't like how it was structured either. I didn't like the band being there. Uh, most of the media wasn't a fan of that either. They kind of said, you know, a pep rally is one thing, a press conference is the other. Let's keep them separate. Like, you know, people were there to work. And, you know, it, 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 it was another one of those tactics to, like, kind of maybe pep up the hire a little bit to people. And it was originally supposed to be a pep rally. And I think they might have, because they, they put out that there was a, they were planning on having a pep rally and it just seemed like once the hire was made and there was all this negative reaction, they probably drew back and turned it into part pep rally, part press conference. When in reality, they should have just took away the pep rally entirely, even though that was the original plan. Exactly. I I think they structured it wrong. And I think they structured it wrong that, uh, Barnes sat with Stallings throughout the whole press conference because it changed it changed the tone and it made it awkward for everyone there and everyone watching. Barnes should have addressed the media. He should have introduced them and said, here's Kevin Stallings. Because then I think at that point during the press conference, it wouldn't have been such a negative tone because a lot of those questions were mainly for Barnes. Like, how did this happen? Or like, how did you hire him? Come clean, all these, all these things. And you know, then it, it puts Stallings in a tough situation. So, you know, for the first few minutes and the first f- couple of his answers, like you said, wasn't a great press conference. I thought he did very good considering the circumstances that there is a pack of dogs staring across from him, you know, looking for blood, looking for the aha moment. You, this, this was a shady hire or something like that. So it made it tough on him and, you know, his wife, his daughters are sitting right there. So I thought he was thrown into a tough situation. So I didn't like the press conference pep rally combination, uh, do one or the other, um, do them separately and do Barnes separate from uh, Stallings because I just, I think it made it tougher on Stallings than it needed to be. I agree. And a lot of that comes back to the guy who leads the athletic department, which is Scott Barnes. So he sort of put it on himself and who knows, maybe he did it on purpose to maybe deflect some of it from himself. Who knows? Either way, I agree with you. It just didn't come o- come across that well. In terms of the media, the questions they asked, I know some people were up in arms about it. I- I'm not too upset. I think some of the wording, and they've admitted it, some of the wording was not good. But everyone was saying, in term- fa- the fan base was saying, oh, I hope the media goes after him. I hope this isn't just a regular press conference where you say, well, have you eaten at Permantis yet? What's your, you know, things like that. Uh, I, I hope they ask some real substantive questions. And then they did. And then people got upset with them. Again, part of it, they got upset because of the wording. But I think also people got upset the fact that reporters were very aggressive. I'm not ups- I think they should have been aggressive, and I'm glad that they were. I also think that it's a good thing that they were because it told us a lot about the two people up there at the podium. The way that Kevin Stallings handled it, he was calm. He was. I felt a little bit bad for him, so that actually helped him because I think this guy who everyone wanted to paint out to be awful, and there were also some character questions that people had with Kevin Stallings. You go there and you see him just being attacked and not taking the bait, and you feel a little bad for him, so that probably helped his persona. And then the way that Scott Barnes dealt with it, which was just to deflect and just seem grumpy and annoyed, and that just pissed people off. And I'm but I'm I'm glad that the media asked those questions and were hard on both of them because it told us a lot about their character and everything else behind this. Yeah, I had no problem with the questions that were asked. I like like you said, I 
it's kind of uneasy about how they were asking him. I think someone joked on Twitter. They said, you know, usually press conferences are happy. This felt like a cross examination in a courtroom. It really did. So it you did. Know, it, was, <laughs> it really did. It wasn't a normal introductory press conference. But it wasn't a normal hire. To be to the fair, fan morning show today, and Stallings even said, "Yeah, that was that was." He even admitted he's like, "That was kind of weird." Like but it whole, wasn't a normal hire. Yeah, it wasn't. It, normal this was hire, a hire. The, the reason the press conference was so different is because I don't. I can't remember a hire that was so universally panned for the first twenty four hours that this was. Yeah, and I'm sure Stallings. I mean, he he might have caught wind of it eventually, but. I'm sure at the time, like, you know, he, he's down in Florida with his son watching him play baseball. Uh, he's talking to his agent. He's talking to Barnes. So he probably doesn't get the whole, like, blowback going on. That I'm sure eventually he was made aware of it. So, you know, maybe he didn't realize how bad it was. And, you know, he, he just kind of seemed like he, he he admitted today. He's like, you know, that, that, that was different. I've never seen anything quite like that. And I've never seen anything quite like that either. So it, it was just a very bizarre, bizarre Sunday, Monday um, we're recording this on Tuesday night. And l- like I said, um, it sounds like the recruiting class is going to stay together. It's, it, you know, I haven't heard any rumors of players wanting to transfer. Sheldon Jeter seems happy. He's kind of joking around and he's going to stick around. Uh, some of the other guys I heard, Chris Jones, Roselle Nix, uh, there, there's people that are, you know, they're, they're on board. And I think that initial team meeting, um, I, I, I think they were kind of encouraged by stalling. So, I think one of the things uh, they that was asked in the press conference and, you know, that I think this team would enjoy is that he said, if you make a mistake, I'm not going to pull you. You, you, you. You're allowed to make mistakes on my team. You're allowed to keep playing through them. And sometimes Jamie Dixon, you know, you threw a bad pass. You were kind of coming out at some points for certain players. So I, I think some of these other guys, Jeter especially, because he was one that, if you remember, uh, two years ago, his playing time was kind of up and down, and a lot of that was because if he made a mistake, he was coming out. So I, I think, you know, some of the players are going to catch on board. So everything is getting back to normal. It's you know, it's not about the hire anymore. It's not about Scott Barnes or Kevin Stallings. It's just about okay, who's the next recruit going to be? Who's going to be on the staff? Uh, what's the schedule going to look like next year? I think a lot of things on the boards, on Cardiac Hill, Panther Lair, Twitter, it's just getting back to basketball, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, it, I, I don't think it was a good look for Pitt fans and you know everyone looking at us you know, just freaking out. Like That was a really bad freak out, so I'm glad it's just getting back to normal basketball. I agree. I mean, yeah, it, it was an odd time and people have started to calm down. I mean, that said, I think people will still have Scott Barnes on a pretty short leash now, a lot shorter of a leash than he was on up until now. Kevin Stallings won't be on an incredibly long leash. And again, no one, still no one is wildly enthusiastic about this. No one's even really enthusiastic about it. Again, no one's saying that this is a good hire. But I think we're all, we've accepted it. We're not going to spend... And the fan base isn't going to spend the season under protest and go out there and, you know, it's things are going to be relatively normal. I think originally everyone was going to say, oh, the whole team's good. There's a a player revolt. Sheldon Jeter is going to leave and other players are going to leave because he's probably talked poorly about him for somehow. I don't know how. And props to Sheldon Jeter for this. It seems like they've they've worked it out and the past is the past. And Sheldon Jeter is fine with it. And he's led the other players to be fine with it. So there's not going to be a player revolt. People were saying the zoo's going to be empty. The zoo won't be empty. 
they'll come around to it. People were saying that the crowds aren't going to show up. I can't see them at being less enthusiastic than they have been the past couple years, uh, which is still generally good, but not as good as it should be. So I think when it comes to that, it's relatively normal. No one, it's not going to help anything this higher in terms of enthusiasm and optimism, but it's not going to, to destroy it like a lot of people had initially thought that it was going to. So before we move on to the three rivers pack of questions and the Panther of the week, let's talk about Kevin Stallings as the coach in that how successful is he going to be? And what's it mean? Because we're talking about, well, he's not going to get to, he's not going to win an ACC championship. He's not going to make the final four. He's not going to be what Jamie Dixon was. And that there's no hope that he could be what Jamie Dixon was. And again, that's sort of how it comes back to me is I just think there's no optimism, which is why I think the hire was not good. But all the, after all said and done, what does Stallings need to do to be considered a successful coach and a successful hire, a smart hire? Uh, next year or like in his six-year contract? Well, both. What, what does he need to do at first in his first season just to, to calm everyone down or keep them calm? So it's not a knee-jerk reaction of one mediocre season, everyone's flipping out. And then, moving forward, over the next, say, five, six years, what's he going to have to do in general to make people happy? I think for for the immediate thing is to keep the team intact, keep and then keep the recruiting class intact. And, you know, going into this year you, with Dixon as a coach, you and I both thought this could be a good team. So um, I think with a veteran coach and a veteran team, it's not like he's coaching sophomores that were just getting used to playing with Jamie Dixon. So I think people are adaptable. I think, uh, you know, they're veteran players. So I I still think the expectation that they can have a nice run this year, uh, you know, win if they won, what, 21 games this year, they could win, you know, 25 next year maybe. I, I, I still think that real realistically is possible. So if he could get them to the second round of the tournament, retain the team, um, retain the recruiting class and start recruiting for 2017. And if he lands a couple big kids, pretty much everyone that's been criticizing him and that has no faith in him will start to come around. If, uh, like I, I said in a previous pro- podcast, uh, this fan base loves recruiting. They love following it. Uh, people kind of are obsessive over stars. I don't know if that's everywhere or just a pit, but if he can bring in a four star, a couple four stars heading into next year on, in the 2017 recruiting class, uh, you know, people are going to forget about a lot of things and kind of get excited about, you know, the possibility of seeing some good players at the peak. Um, so that's the immediate uh, second round of the tournament and keep the team and recruiting class intact. Moving forward, I, I think, you know, years like that um, where, you know, win tournament games, that that's what it is. I think, uh, you know, Jamie Dixon, if he would have stayed, he was probably going to keep doing the whole 22 and 10, make the tournament and, you know, you know, it's a crapshoot once you get there. If if Stallings can keep doing that and maybe even improve on it, then, I, you know, it's a good enough hire. Because, uh, I, like, I, like I said with some of those other candidates, I'm not so sure Andy Enfield was going to have Pitt 28-2 and two as a one seed uh, any time in the next 10 years either. So um, it, it's just maintaining success, um, maybe improving a little bit, and just recruiting well. And, uh, you know, and... Probably, uh, like he mentioned at his press conference, play a tougher schedule at home. 
uh, you know, go out and challenge the team, play some attractive home games at the Pete. And, you know, those were some of the complaints, recruiting, style of play, and non-conference scheduling. That was always the three bugaboos with Jamie Dixon. If he can change those around, then, you know, then they'll find three different things to complain about Stallings, obviously. So, um, you know, if he can just kind of correct some of the things that people were upset about with Jamie Dixon, that would be a great start, too. Fair. I think, first of all, you mentioned you weren't sure that Enfield, and again, just going back to it quickly, you weren't sure that Enfield was going to lead Pitt to a, a one or a two seed, something like that, something that Dixon had done. I'm certainly not sure that he was going to, but I think that he could have, whereas for Stallings, I'm very confident that he won't. Again, that's not to say that he's not going to have success. I think that he will. I think that he'll probably have about the same amount of success that he had at Vanderbilt. It's an easier school to coach at, but it's a tougher conference to coach in. So I, I think you average all that out, and it'll end up being around what he did at Vanderbilt, which was winning probably 19 games a season, maybe 20, that counting a tougher conference schedule, getting around 500, maybe a little over 500. Some years he was 10-6 and six in conference. I think that'll probably be the upside. Getting into the tournament more years than not, maybe one year every in the six year contract, maybe one of them he'll make a sweet sixteen, and people really get excited, uh, and that's about it. Would that be successful? I think it'd be fine. Again, I think the fact that I think it's just sort of kicking the can down the road, in that everyone was frustrated. Yes, Jamie Dixon, people were still happy with it. No one was running him out of town, at least these sane people saying that he should be fired. But people were starting to get frustrated that things had stagnated and that's where they were going to be. And again, clearly that wasn't enough for what people thought was acceptable. And I think that's probably going to be what happens with Kevin Stallings. He's probably going to do about what Dixon did the past six years, and people are going to get frustrated. It won't be bad but people will get frustrated because it's not better. And I think the fact that they didn't hire someone who had a bigger potential, a greater chance of reaching bigger heights, of getting a top two or three seed, of being first or second in the ACC, or maybe making it to the ACC tournament championship game, something like that, I think there's very little chance that Stallings does it. There was a greater chance that somebody like Enfield would have done it. And I think because you had a guy like Andy Enfield and you went with Stallings instead, that's what makes it more frustrating. So at the end of the day, I think he'll be a good coach. I think, again, he'll probably be right around 500, a little over 500 in the ACC. He'll make the tournament more years than not. He'll maybe win a game or two. Next season, I think they'll make the tournament and either lose in the first round or lose in the second round. And it'll be fine but it won't be great, and I think that's why, overall, this is underwhelming. Okay, let's move forward to the Three Rivers pack of questions for this week. For people who are just joining us, we just give three quick hits, quick questions, quick answers. So, first question, Jim. Would you rather have Pitt hired Andy Enfield instead of Kevin Stallings, even if reports are true and you had to overpay for Andy Enfield? Would you have rather them overpaid for Andy Enfield? If if he was making the same as what Stallings is going to make, which I have, I haven't actually seen the figures, I, I'm not sure what he's going to be making. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd obviously take Enfield straight up, but uh, but once you throw that extra money in there, that's a lot of money for Andy Enfield for not an incredibly accomplished coach. He had uh, 
he's only been a head coach for five years, I think, and two tournaments. Uh, he obviously had the great run, uh, Dunk City, and his team this year lost in the first round. Um, that's a lot of money for a guy that really hasn't done a lot, so it, it's hard to say. I'd say no. Wow, I'd say yes in a heartbeat. I th- First of all, just in terms of the hire, he's young, he's exciting, he's from Pennsylvania, he went to school in Maryland, he went to Johns Hopkins, and was, I mean, he was his high school valedictorian, he holds records at Johns Hopkins, you can recruit in Maryland. I think that would have been such an incredible hire that that's a big part of, I know some people are saying, well, it's the fact that Pitt couldn't land Sean Miller, and that's why people are upset. I don't think that's why. In my opinion, it's not because... I'm not underwhelmed with Kevin Stallings because he's not Sean Miller. I'm underwhelmed because he's not Andy Enfield. I think Enfield was very gettable. And in terms of the money question, I think you just got a a good amount of money. We don't know exactly how much. Millions of dollars for letting Jamie Dixon out of his contract to go to TCU. You got a good amount of money from the ACC, all this revenue sharing from the NCAA tournament. The ACC has done phenomenally well. You've got the money. And the athletic department has said that they're committed to spending money. And I think the fact that they walked away from that, that if Enfield had wanted to negotiate for more money and Pitt had just walked away, that is incredibly frustrating for me to hear. I think that Enfield would have been exciting. I think there would have been a better chance of him being a great coach. And I certainly would have liked to see them spend more money for the chance of that happening. So that's what I think. Question two. And we're sticking with a theme here. If you guys can, uh, if you guys can, I'm going to start that again. (laughs) Question two. Would you rather have Pitt hired Bryce Drew, the head coach at Valpo, who's in the NIT finals, or Kevin Stallings? Again, that's a tough question. I mean, I I, I was, you know, because it's hard for me to say because I never even realized Stallings was a candidate. I never knew he was in the running. I never knew he was in the mix. I like Bryce Drew. Um, he's going to get a good job eventually. Uh, Valpo just won the night. I believe they're in the NIT championship tomorrow, or I guess if you're listening to this, it'll be the night. Um, I'd, pr- I'd probably take Drew, uh, young, exciting up and coming coach. Uh, you probably wouldn't have to spend the Andy Enfield, uh, Jamie Dixon contract. Um, so yeah, probably, probably Drew. I think Bryce Drew. Uh, again, for, for me, Andy Enfield, compared to Kevin Stallings, that's a slam dunk, Andy Enfield all the way. Bryce Drew, I really have to think about it, but I really like what he's done at Valpo. The only concern for him is that all of his ties are to Valpo and the fact that he went to Valparaiso High School. He's from Valparaiso, Indiana. He's only coached at Valparaiso. So there certainly wouldn't have been local ties, just like there aren't with Kevin Stallings. I would have had to think about it. I probably, I I would have said Drew, but it's not as complete. It's not a complete runaway as many people would have probably thought it was when they first heard Kevin Stallings and everybody was flipping out and ready to jump off bridges. Okay, third question. And if you can tell, we're sticking with a pattern here. Third question. Would you rather have Pitt hired Brandon Knight or Kevin Stallings? No. Um, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he just doesn't have the resume to add up. He, he, his, his best thing going for him was he is just a great pit basketball player and he's been on the staff, but you know, think of it this way. Would you want to hire Vanderbilt? Who's pretty much done the same as Pitt? Would you want to hire their top assistant 
for this job because that's a bit, basically what you're doing with Brandon Knight because Pitt hasn't had a lot of success recently. So you're hiring a guy not coming from a hot name program. It's not like hiring Jeff Capel from Duke where, you know, Duke just won the championship last year. Um, you're hiring a guy that was a part of the problem. If, if, you, if you're saying there was a problem, you're hiring a guy that was part of the problem. Um, I like Brandon Knight. He, he was my favorite player as a kid. Uh, I think he's a great guy. If he stays on and helps coach for a year or two before he you know, finds a head coaching job, I, I'm all for it. Uh, I just, to hand him the keys right now with you know only being the assistant coach at one place and at a place that hasn't been um overly successful the past four seasons i agree with you i say stallings definitely i know the second the news broke everyone was saying please just have just give us night we would have taken night in a heartbeat over stallings i think enfield you take in a heartbeat bryce sure you probably take even mike lonergan from gw i think Maybe to probably, that's certainly a tough, if those are the top two candidates, that's tough. But I agree, Stallings overnight. You would have won the press conference, people would have been happy. But after that, I don't know how much you would have won. And that's the difference between Brandon Knight and an Andy Enfield or a Bryce Drew. Is that Enfield or Drew, they would have won the press conference, but they also would have and have a track record of winning basketball games. Brandon Knight would have won won the press conference. But we have no idea if he would have won any basketball games. And so because of that, I'll I'll take Stallings over that. But again, still plenty of coaches I would have taken before Stallings. I think it's an odd hire. I think it's an unexciting hire, an uninspiring hire. I don't like it, but it's not awful. It's not going to end pit basketball as we know it. It's just, it's eh. If you can put it into two letters... It's eh, is how I'm going to finish. Really quick, before we end up, Panther of the Week. Jim, of anyone you could possibly name, who is your Panther of the Week? I'm going to go with Dominic uh, Giordano uh, of the swimming and diving team, NCAA champion as a uh, the three-meter dive. Uh, that's wonderful. He's the first uh, pit um, swim dive from that team to ever win an NCAA championship. So that's impressive, and that's always good to see a pit a Pitt student doing big things on a national stage. I absolutely agree with you. You took it right, the, the words right out of my mouth. Uh, incredible work from him, winning a national championship. And in a week of, let's be honest, a whole lot of negativity, I think Dominic Giordano brought a whole lot of pride to the university. And it was at least a nice little anecdote in a week of just a lot of darkness for a lot of Pitt fans and people in the Pitt media. And I think overall, absolutely, I agree with you. Dominic Giordano, just a junior, great diver. He won a national championship. Congrats to him. He is the Panther of the Week. So I feel we just had a hell of a week, Jim. We had a podcast right after Jamie Dixon announced he was leaving for TCU. We went on with instant reaction. We had a podcast a couple days after that talking about candidates and who we think should get the job. Kevin Selling's name was never mentioned because it was so out of left field. And no one thought it was going to happen. And then we had this. So that's about three podcasts within one week. Uh, I think eight days might be a new record for us. We'll slow down just a little bit, uh, but we'll still be out there talking about football, talking about basketball, everything else that's going on with Pitt. And uh, we'll, of course, be watching Kevin Stallings closely and Scott Barnes closely. 
Just because people have calmed down doesn't mean that there's not a short leash, doesn't mean that everyone's content. So we'll be watching all these moves on the recruiting trail and everything they're doing with the program. And it's going to be a, a constant judgment of Scott Barnes, what he did with this hire, and of Kevin Stallings in what he can do as a coach. But it's definitely an exciting time, and I think we can all agree it's nice that Pitt has wrapped up the coaching search and things are finally going to start settling down for Pitt fans. So we want to thank everybody who tu for, for tuning in. We want to thank Jim Hammett, my contributor, for joining us got great content out there on Cardiac Hill. Make sure you look at that and everything else that's on Cardiac Hill. This week has been just overloaded with the amounts of content that have been out on the website. So Cardiac Hill, just a great resource for all Pitt fans to go and find out what's happening. There's been so much content with the coaching search week. And again, there'll still be great content, but it will all settle down just a little bit. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Jim Hammett, everyone at Cardiac Hill. One final time, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.